With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's me, your mother. I'm putting together a care package to send you and wanted to let you know that I'm including a large helping of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, the new podcast I've been working on, Meddling Adults, premieres this Wednesday, May 13th. Everywhere that you can get your podcasts, I'm incredibly excited about it. The trailer is live now, so search for Meddling Adults on the preferred podcasting app of your choice and you can listen to it. It is a game show where I host and have two guests battle head-to-head to see if they can solve children's mysteries from the likes of Nancy Drew, Scooby-Doo, Encyclopedia Brown, etc. If you liked me being wrong about Ludo Bagman, you're going to love this podcast. All of the guests are fantastic. A bunch of multitudes get in the mix. All of the money from the Patreon goes to charity. It's a very funny podcast. I'm very biased, but I'm very proud of it, and I think it's very good and I think you're going to love it too. Just search for Middling Adults wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the trailer and you can subscribe now so that on May 13th, you get that new episode right into your device ASAP. And in case you missed an earlier announcement about it, we have new Potterless digital merchandise up on the website. If you go to potterlesspodcast.com slash merch, you can check it out. There's mobile wallpapers, desktop wallpapers, ringtones. I made an official Violently Purple. I created it and there's an official hex code now and everything for it. It's fantastic. They're all beautiful. Kelly helped me make them and I'm very proud of how they all look. You can check those out. And the other merchandise, which is all back in stock, Wizard on Pins, Ludo Bagman posters, t-shirts, all sorts of stuff. You can check all of that out at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. And speaking of things I'm really proud of, there's a group of people I'm really proud of, and that's our new patrons that we have to welcome to the team. So shout out to Rachel Kalin, Audrey, Kirsten Aspinez, Natalie Olson, Zuzana Orovchova, Brie Brenton, Tane Srivastava, Alex Atkinson, Beth Mallon, Anna Borges, Stephanie, Rachel Jacqueline, Jennifer Noble, Casey Canales, Miles Southey, Cassie, Zara Boyd, Amelia McBride, and the return of Jordy Wright. A happy birthday wish to Katie Docker. Shout out to Ellen Parrott who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Henrika Wolf who upgraded to the producer level status, as well as our new producer level patron, Jeremy Elmore. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rose, Marie, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Moster, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Summer, Andrea, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcus, Courtney, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, the Meadows family. Ginny, Brianna, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Jarl, Haley, Ashley, Pita, Sophie, Jenna, Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, T-Run, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, GK, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Maria, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Blowfish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Stin, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andren, K.A., Steve, Lyor, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Danae, Michelle, Callista, Kringle, Lovekesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Steve. Nuggets and can't I, Potter? Who never spill coffee grounds all over their kitchen ground when they're trying to throw them into the trash. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, my notes, exclusive live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 125 of Potterless, covering the second part of Act 3 of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, guest starring Johnny Frolicstein.
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 28-year-old man who didn't read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult. He watched all the movies. Then he saw a play that he didn't enjoy very much, and then he had to read it, which he really didn't enjoy. <laughs> my name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by my best bud, my rival in chess playing of recent <laughs> quarantine <laughs> times, and the best man in my wedding. It's Johnny Frolicksteen. Johnny, how's it going? It's going great. I'm really ready to dive into this absolute trash boat of the rest of this plot in this act. <laughs> Truly. Let's just get right into it. Let's waste no time at all. We have so much yet to discuss, even though we talked about so much last time. <laughs> there is just so many wild things we need to cover, so I say we get right into them. Yeet. So Albus is very confused, obviously, because he thinks that they failed, but that's exactly the point. So the parents in McGonagall roll up. Scorpius has lost the time turner, which feels very convenient, but later we learn that he was just faking it. And the adults want an explanation. So we go to Act 3, Scene 10. Wait, really quickly. Yes, yes. In the scene where he goes back to Albus for the first time, perhaps the cheesiest line of the entire play gets spoken after Albus is like, we failed. Scorpius is like, yeah, we did. Hell yeah, it's amazing. Albus goes, Scorpius, have you been eating too many sweets again? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and then they laugh and laugh and they fade to credits. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we then get into Act 3, Scene 10, which is in the headmistress's office at Hogwarts, which is now Rayfully McGonagall's. And it begins after Scorpius has already done a full recap, which I really appreciate. This story doesn't do it often. So the fact that they finally let us fast forward through the thing that we have just seen is much appreciated on my end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So McGonagall is being peak McGonagall, and it's great. She's scolding everyone in the best way. I uh, love it. She is one of the shining moments in this story. She's awesome. She, she's so consistently awesome. True to form, true to form. So Hermione enters, and McGonagall is very upset at her for having the time turner and hiding it so poorly. There's a bit of a back and forth. The most emotional line, though, is when McGonagall says, your children didn't exist. And then she feels sad because of this happened under her watch. And after all Dumbledore did, she wasn't able to keep people safe. So we actually get some emotional McGonagall too, which is really nice. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the best scenes in the whole play. I agree. I really enjoyed this one. So McGonagall sends out the kids and tells them that they need to find the time turner. And then we move on to act three, scene 11 in the Slytherin dorm. Albus and Harry talk in his room about why Albus did this. And Harry clarifies that he never volunteered for adventures and the action that took place in his life. And Albus did this willingly, and that's the difference between what they did. It's not necessarily a happy conversation. They just arrive at Slytherin not being the problem, since in one of the realities, Albus was a Gryffindor, and tension was still there between Harry and Albus. So I guess they are getting one step closer to realizing the root of their problems, and it's not just the fact that Albus was sorted into a different house. I think this is actually another nice conversation, and I think it's also like maybe a little bit of like a win for Harry just because Albus was so convinced that Harry resented the fact that he was in Slytherin. Right. I think it's a good conversation to have because I think for the most part, except for right after the first time travel when Harry was really, really mean, and I don't know if that was because of the time travel or not. Yeah, yeah. I think that Harry has been in the right for the most part and he's just trying his best. So I like that he was able to have a conversation to help Albus see the light a little bit. So this is a good step towards forgiveness conversation. Dude, if fatherhood is anything like this, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man, I would hope not. I am going to just try to be the coolest, chillest dad I can be. You play some gobstones? Yeah, you know, just play some exploding snap and some wizard's chess and 
everything. Oh, how did we not talk about chess? Quick tangent here. Johnny and I have been chessing up a storm in <laughs> these quarantine times. And as you said before recording, playing chess has replaced your playing sports. Yep. And I agree. It gives you that same sense of thrill, but it's like you're playing sports with your brain instead of your body. It's muted. It's like the same feeling, just 10% as strong. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly has to tell me this because I am sometimes annoying where I will be playing you or Josh or whoever, and I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll just be muttering out loud to myself, that's, what is he doing here? He's tr- it's, a, it's a strange move. He's got to be setting something up. And Kelly gets so frustrated because she's not playing the game. She does not like chess. She can't see anything. But here I am in the same room saying <laughs> saying out loud to no one, oh, I feel like this is a trap. What? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and while you're saying those things, I'm sitting on the couch, like doing my hands, Mr. Burn style, like, yes, falling into my traps. <laughs> it's always my favorite when we play each other, because we're usually pretty good, but every now and then we'll do some really boneheaded moves. Yep. And every now and then when you make a boneheaded move that sets me up for what I think is just a slam dunk of success, part of my brain always asks, does he want me to do this so that he can do something else? Or did he mess up and make it really easy for me to take his rook? <laughs> and then I have to like decide if you're an idiot or you're playing four-dimensional chess against me. <laughs> I'm actually not. I'm playing two-dimensional chess against you on a phone. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Harry Potter. So Act 3, Scene 12 is another dream. It's in the Godric's Hollow Graveyard, and it's Petunia and a young Harry visiting the graves of his parents, and she's lying about their popularity, and that no one liked them, and they didn't have any friends. The craziest line in the whole book is right here. Lay it on me. It's a total throwaway line, but Petunia says... Duddy has his cubs tonight, and you know he hates to be late. And I think what this implies is that Dudley is a divorced parent, and there's no reason (gasps) for it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But it gets crazier because this is revealed to be a dream that never happened because Harry was never with Petunia in Godric's Hollow. So either that was a real-life detail that Harry inserted into his dream— or it's like Harry's dream headcanon that Dudley is a divorced dad. Wow. Yeah, wow. I totally <laughs> glossed over that because I don't like the dream sequences because I think they're worthless, so I just kind of sped read through it. Yeah, isn't that wow. crazy? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That, that can't mean anything else, right? Duddy has his cups tonight? I, I, unless he literally owns bear cubs. <laughs> Other possible canon. Or if he is a... Boy Scout leader, and in the UK, they also <laughs> call that Cub Scouts when you're a youngin. I mean, I guess you could say, like, or, oh, mom was on a night out. <laughs> or Dudley is actually a big Chicago Cubs fan. <laughs> and he's watching the game, and it's like <laughs> three in the morning, and they're just starting. <laughs> uh, That's the one. That's it. <laughs> Hey, editing my here, to no one's surprise, that was not it. I did a little bit of research to figure out what it was. I went back, I did not realize that in the text, Cubs has a capital C. So the thing that I kind of hinted at was correct. Johnny misunderstood. He didn't realize that this dream was a flashback with a young Harry. So he thought that Dudley was an adult. So that was why he thought divorced parent was in the mix. But after reaching out to some of the international Potterless patrons via the Discord, I learned that Cub Scouts is not just an American thing for the Boy Scouts, it's everywhere, usually shortened for Wolf Cubs, so this was probably referring to Dudley being a member of the Wolf Cubs, similar to the Boy Scouts, and him not wanting to be late to that. And just to clear the air, here's Johnny apologizing for his transgressions. Hey, this is Editing Johnny. 
I just wanted to say that I am a huge idiot and that I was looking for absurdity in this play where there was none, which was a foolish move because there was already a lot of absurdity to be found. Anyway, back to the podcast. So in this dream, Voldemort rises out from the grave and then Albus pops from his cloak afterwards. It's not Voldemort, it's Albus. And that's the end of the dream. The next scene is just Harry explaining the dream to Ginny, which always fucking happens after the dream scenes. And I hate it. So we're moving on to act three, scene 14, which is back in the Slytherin dorm. So Scorpius and Albus have a conversation. And this conversation is pretty cute. Their friendship is so wonderful and wholesome. And I think that this scene between them is just another prime example of me liking their dynamic and their relationship. So Albus realizes that everything about this was silly and it was just him trying to prove himself to Harry. And Scorpius then reveals that he still has the time turner, which makes me very upset because I feel like you should have given it to McGonagall. She probably would have done the right thing. I trust her a lot. It literally makes no sense. They already know what you did. You haven't done anything else other than what they know in terms of fucking up. So why not just give it to the adults in the room? This makes no sense. It's very strange. It makes no sense. It's, I don't, I just, I don't. You've already screwed up the world and then by a very slim chance you fixed it. Why would you risk that again? It's so stupid. <sighs> so the reasoning is that Scorpius doesn't trust the ministry and he wants to destroy it themselves so that they can make the time turning a thing of the past and then he looks at the camera and breaks the fourth <laughs> yeah. wall, I guess. <laughs> Slightly grandly is how he's described as saying it. What does that even mean? That's not even that good of a line. Uh, it's frustrating. And even if you distrust the ministry, you have a scene earlier where Minerva McGonagall didn't like the way the ministry handled it the last time. So what do you do? You let everyone leave. You go to McGonagall's office, just you and Albus and McGonagall. And you say, hey, we still have the time turner. Let's not give it to the ministry because they fucked it up last time. Hey, McGonagall, want to help us destroy this thing? I don't get why they didn't bring her into the picture. Also, as we saw in book five, and as we see later in this book, you can just put it on the fucking ground and step on it with your foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do we have to go through this whole dog and pony show about what spell we're gonna use? It's, uh, I, oh, we're not there yet. Uh, we're getting there. We'll get so there. act three, we'll scene 15, Slytherin dorm again. Harry, McGonagall, <laughs> Harry, McGonagall, and Ginny find that Albus and Scorpius are gone. Yeah, this is the Craig scene where Craig didn't want to let Harry into the room, right? Yep, this is the one. Good for Craig. So Ginny gets a little upset at Harry and somewhat blames him for driving Albus away and then says that it's hard to forgive Harry's mistakes. I felt like this was a weird out of left field conversation. I felt like it was a very quick zero to 100 of getting upset. I know there were other scenes where Ginny got upset with Harry. I think just one other when Harry was really grumpy after the first time travel return situation. No, she's been real supportive. This was zero to 60. It's also super out of character and Ginny, I think as a whole in this in this thing is like a shell of herself. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just didn't feel very Ginny-esque. I don't know. I didn't like it. And then Craig's like, hey guys, excuse me. And they're like, shut up, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so act three, scene 16 is in the Owlry. 
you have Albus and Scorpius deciding on how to break it. And you're right, very frustrating since the ultimate breaking of it is just getting curb stomped. <laughs> I guess you can say that they didn't know that this is how you can break it, but it's strange that they didn't try. Yeah, it's super strange. Ugh. Also, they seem to know so much about what happened in the events of the series. They must have known that the time turners were literally smashed, right? Like, right. Yeah, they're fragile. They try stupefy because that's how they broke them last time. But like, that wasn't it. It was stupefy hit the shelf and right. the shelf fell over. Right. So of course, enter Delphi because Albus sent her an owl because he is not smart. So she says that she agrees with the plan, but she takes the time turner and then Albus notices a tattoo on her back. And she says that it's an augury and explains a little bit of what the augury is. An augury. So she gives a little bit of an explanation here, not as thorough as the Fantastic Beasts in order to find them explanation. Scorpius starts to put two and two together. Albus is purely smitten. She uses spells to tie up Albus and Scorpius, snaps Scorpius's wand, and then gets out of there. And we move on to act three, scene 17. Scorpius does take a minute to like figure out Mm-hmm. That Delphi's bad even after she says augury. And it's sort of like the scene from The Hangover that's a huge gif now where Alan is like looking at all the math problems in front of him. That's how I imagine Scorpius here. Sorry, I was drinking water. I started laughing. <laughs> also, what a surprise. The mysterious character who we never met and don't care about is bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do think it was strange that he didn't pick up on augury. Just because augury wasn't said once in passing, it was said twice, and there was the stuff in Draco's office. No, it it makes no sense. And we know Scorpius is smart. Yeah. So the next scene is in Hermione's office. Ron wants to do a vow renewal with Hermione, (laughs) which, very important to the plot. I like that Ron's trying to do sweet stuff, but what what are we doing? We've got bigger fish to fry in this play. Yeah, they don't end up doing it, do they? It's just like Ron being sweet. It's just Ron being sweet, which I guess. guess. (laughs) So Harry and the rest enter to say that the dreams are back. So Voldemort's got to be back. When they want to do a search party, Ron says no need because he was out drinking fire whiskey with Neville last night and on the way back saw Albus on the roof with Delphi. Ron thinks it's love, but Harry knows better. (laughs) We've also now learned that Ron was blackout during like the moment that he got married at his wedding yeah. and was having fire risk. Like, is Ron, is Ron okay? I don't know. I, it's just, they've turned Ron into not Ron. They've turned him into stereotypical, funny, I guess, character in a play. Yeah. I don't know. He's worse than movie Ron. Oh gosh, movie Ron. Don't even get me started. <laughs> As you wish, Pass Mike, I will not even get you started. In fact, I will get you paused because we need to take a little bit of a break for Wingardium at Ridosa. And now a word from our sponsors that make it feasible for me to podcast as a full-time job. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, you might hear a ad in your language. Don't be surprised. And once these ads are done, we will get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the 
Marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or reopen some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. That scene ends with them realizing that Delphi's bad, and Hermione goes, Ethel, cancel the goblins. No, <laughs> and that's such a good line. She had a meeting with them. Yeah, oh, no, it's Ethel, very fun. cancel the goblins. <laughs> So then we move on to Act 3, Scene 18, which is in Amos's room in Oswald's. And Draco and Harry bust in as bad cop, bad cop. And <laughs> just, start, just start laying into Amos Diggory. <laughs> when they start pressing him about Delphi, Amos says that he doesn't have a niece. That's supposed to be the big oh, moment. And that's where we're supposed to get an additional clue that... Delphi is evil in case it wasn't clear enough made by the scene between her and Albus and Scorpius. And the best part about this scene is to your bad cop, bad cop point, like Draco's literally using cop language. He goes, don't play the senility card with this old man. (laughs) Again, it's just such cookie cutter dialogue. Oh, I know. Like he has a mustache and a cup of coffee now. (laughs) An aviator sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he takes them off and there's more aviators. He flips a chair. (laughs) Yeah. Damn it, Diggory. He bangs his fist on the interrogation table that they've handcuffed Amos Diggory to. I got the mayor on my ass. (laughs) The chief is riding me like a dog. Back to the precinct, Potter. Me and my partner over here. I love the idea of Harry, like, turning to Malfoy after they interrogate Amos and being like, God, you're a loose cannon, Malfoy. You're You're the best cop this force has ever seen. And they would have had to say some sort of CSI Miami line where he says, Amos says, I don't have a niece. And then Harry turns to Draco. That makes two of us. <laughs> Harry turns to Draco and he goes, looks like this time the story's taken, takes off his sunglasses. Another turn. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. 
So we go to act three, scene 19, which the location is the Quidditch pitch. So in my notes, I just wrote, no! (laughs) Damn it. Delphi's plan is to time turn in order to restore the Voldemort world. So she wants to embarrass Cedric and is convinced that it has to be Albus and Scorpius and it can't be with Imperio. She never explains why this is the case and I don't think this makes any (laughs) sense at all. If all you got to do is embarrass him, why does it have to be with the two of them and why can't it be Imperio? What is it about the embarrassment that they did that was so genuine and pure that they have to do it themselves and they have to mean it. It's so weird. I mean, even the like Voldemort saying it had to be him to be the one to kill Harry always felt like a little bit soft in the books, but this is like that times 10. But at least there was a legitimate prophecy that in it said one has to kill the other. And at least, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was, you know, one can't live, all the others there, and one has to kill the other. It very much implied so wait, that one had to kill the other. You didn't read the part in Delphi, Delphi, I don't know, Delphi's uh, prophecy that was like, by the way, it has to be two little boys that pull this <laughs> off and you can't use Imperio. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. She recites <laughs> this prophecy and you read it later on in full, but there's no, uh, it's just, ah, uh, it's so frustrating. It's so silly. It's very, very silly. It's very, very like plot device just because we've used it before and we're going to use it again, even though it makes way less sense. And I feel like there could have been something else because I get that they're doing this to force all of them to go back in time, but I feel like she could have had some other justification. Yeah, the creativity on display from the writer's room here again is quite limited. Yeah. But she says, to fulfill the prophecy, it has to be you. I'll have to force you by other means. Which... The prophecy does not clarify this, but okay. So she starts crucioing Scorpius to try to get Albus to give in. How is this on stage, the crucio? Like in the movie, wand getting pointed, lights changing a little bit, person crumpling to the ground and screaming very loudly. Sounds about right. Some sound effects. So nothing profound. It's not as cool as some of the other magic. But then the true hero of the series, Craig Balker Jr. runs <laughs> up saying that everybody's looking for Albus and Scorpius. Shut and up, Delphi Craig! in the ultimate shut up Craig just straight up kills him. <laughs> it's not funny, but... I mean... That is the ultimate shut up Craig! <laughs> <laughs> I get what they were going for because this is actually a pretty cool parallel to what happened to Cedric. It's very kill the spare-esque. Yep. Except we didn't give two shits about Craig Barker <laughs> Jr. So it doesn't sting. We liked Cedric. We cared about Cedric. He was nice. He was hot. He was good at Quidditch. He was popular. He was a stand-up dude. But we don't give a rat's ass about Craig Barker Jr. <laughs> well, maybe maybe he's Craig Barker Jr. Because the knowledge of the existence of a senior makes this hurt a tiny bit more. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's nuts. So strange, so strange. Off the rails. So in case this wasn't obvious enough, Delphi calls him the spare just to very much drive the point home, the parallel here, just in case anyone missed it. Winks at the audience. She says that Albus has to do as she says, or Scorpius will die like that spare in italics. Then there's a quote, and this is the prophecy, I guess. When spares are spared, when time is turned, when unseen children murder their fathers, just destroying all of the pattern that we had going into this, (laughs) when spares are spared, 
when time is turned, when unseen children murder their fathers. What? <laughs> this, what is this uh, rhyme scheme? <laughs> nothing. It is nothing. Also, you know, this could have meant that she needed to go bowling and start <laughs> bowling some spare. <laughs> The last line of it is, then the Dark Lord will return, which I guess kind of rhymes with when time is turned, except when spares are spared, four syllables. When time is turned, four syllables. When unseen children murder their fathers is 10 syllables. <laughs> you could get away with it. Then will the Dark Lord return is seven. So what is this? Haiku. Oh, the classic four four ten seven poem structure. <laughs> Used only for prophecies. Did you know if you say something in that, it actually becomes a prophecy no matter what it is. That's what's so confusing about this is that there is a prophecy canonically in the Harry Potter universe that has been said and has a rough format, and this sounds nothing like it. It sounds nothing like it. We also never learn who made this prophecy, do we? I don't think we do. I think it's just the prophecy. It just exists, even though we know that a seer, like a real one, has to make prophet. This is, it's, we're, we're off the rails. We're, mm -hmm. We truly are. We've left the building. And then the scene ends with her starting the time turner. So we get into act three, scene 20, which is the Triwizard Tournament in 1995. So my first note, I was very upset that there was a 20th scene, as if every act had to have 20 scenes in it. But I was immediately put at ease because you know who's back? My boy Ludo! <laughs> He's back in the mix! If there had only been 19 scenes, there would have been no Ludo, so you should be uh, happy. I'm happy for it. I'm, I'm happy for it. So Albus and Scorpius tried to devise a plan, but they don't have wands. Apparently Albus's has been snapped too. I don't know if I missed it. I don't know if she snapped Albus's and Scorpius's at the same time, but Albus doesn't have a functioning wand. Mm -hmm. So Delphi appears and she is flying, which is cool when you see it on stage, but sad when you have someone that is not Voldemort flying. I love that Voldemort was the only person that can fly. I don't like that more people can fly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Voldemort is uniquely psycho. So Scorpius starts chatting her up to burn time. Classic anti-villain maneuver here from Scorpius. I really appreciate it. <laughs> You know, get the villain to vamp and then... Tell me more about your evil plan. Exactly. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> He's saying that they won't let the prophecy come true. She says that it's written. And he asks, then why is she trying to make it happen herself? Which is actually really sound logic from Scorpius and also makes it very apparent that she is Voldemort's kid because this is exactly the same shenanigans that Voldemort pulled. Mm -hmm. So she starts to crucio Scorpius, but then... Who comes? Cedric Diggory hits her with Expelliarmus, which is great. And I love Cedric in this. Cedric is great because he disarms her with Expelliarmus, and then he runs up and he's and he's and he asks them, "Are you guys a task? What do I have to do?" <laughs> Just tell me. I love it. I love it so much. He's so naive, but in the best way, which is a completely valid thing for him to think. If he had any other reaction, it wouldn't have been. Believable. Well, but then Scorpius is like, you have to free us. That's the task. And if Cedric was like actually in the zone, he would have been like, that's just what the task would want me to think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like when we play chess. <laughs> wow. That tangent now actually served a purpose. It matters. Yes. <laughs> Come full circle, baby. So Cedric frees Albus and Scorpius. 
Albus then says to Cedric, your dad loves you very much before sending him off. I don't like that this keeps <laughs> happening in this play. It's so strange. Cedric is put in a strange situation. He's very confused by this. Just, uh, okay, thanks, my guy. And then he keeps going. So at this point, Delphi starts to squirm a little bit, and they notice that she's activating the time turner, so Scorpius and Albus run over to her so that they can time travel with her to try to stop her. When they're back, Delphi breaks the time turner and decides that she's going to take things into her own hands. How does she break the time turner? She just steps on it. God, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so it's unclear what time they're in. They, don't, they haven't gone back to their correct present day. But Scorpius notes that Hogwarts looks the same. So we move on to Act 3, Scene 21. The final scene that we'll be covering, it's Delphi's room in Oswald's. So all the adults are in here. And Harry says that it was a confundus charm on Amos. And it had to be a really powerful one to do all this. And she had to be using it constantly. It's very extreme. Dude, imagine after that bad cop, bad cop routine, just being like, oh yeah, no, he was he was being legit. <laughs> <laughs> Draco tries specialis Revelio, and everyone looks at him. I don't know if this is a real spell or if it was Draco trying to make something up with some Latin jargon on the spot. We all know how much I love Latin since I took it in high school. But I also love this attempt because it's reminiscent of when Harry and Hermione would do Accio Horcrux throughout yeah. the books. <laughs> yeah. I always appreciated people just trying to do that. It's like when you just try a bunch of random stuff in video games. I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts since, Johnny, you gave it the full Kingdom Hearts. Wait, have you finished it yet? We are in the Maleficent Battle of Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, dude. So we're getting there. Hey, it's Editing Mike here with a quick little update. Kelly and I have completed Kingdom Hearts 1.5. We're very proud of it. Kelly's even gone the extra mile and defeated some of the additional bosses that you unlock after you beat the main story. So we're just cruising along. We're going to move on to Kingdom Hearts 2.5 very soon. Anyway, back to the podcast. So Kelly and I have been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, and there's a lot of times where you just have to try some stuff. You have to shoot a platform with fire to make it work, or hit something with lightning to make it start functioning. So every now and then, we have to just look at something and say, I don't know, shoot an ice ball at it and <laughs> see if it works. That's this. That's this. That is what this is, and it doesn't work. Also, Draco has comically large feet like Sora. <laughs> <laughs> so Ginny unscrews a chimney from an oil lamp and it says, welcome, Augury, in parcel tongue. So Harry says that he needs to tell it to open. Draco says, do it. And I'm glad you're on this episode of Potterless, Johnny, because couldn't Ron just tell it to open? Well, he's he's heard the vibrations in the air that make the same sound. Therefore, he could replicate that sound, right? Uh, I hate this so much. So much. So Harry says it in parcel tongue. And then this is the fluorescent paint. And this was the really cool effect in the play where it's the whole theater, all the walls and the pillars. This was actually super solid. Yeah. The, the only thing is like this reveal felt a little weird to me because it felt like they were writing for the fact that it was a play here. Like, yeah. There felt like other ways to reveal this, but because they could make a really cool effect and have it be super visual and like accomplishable on stage is why... I don't know. It, it felt a little bit weird just reading it and not having seen this. Yeah, the other thing that I don't think it has that big of a payoff because they don't need to do all of this. Once Ron says that they were with Delphi, they should know enough is up to go into action. But instead, we have the two follow-up scenes of going to Amos, learning that he doesn't have a knee. So that should really confirm it enough. And then now they do this where they 
triple confirm that she's evil. And I get that the effect of it when you see it live is cool. But when you read it, the scene just feels so unnecessary because at this point, the reader is smart enough to think, yeah, we got it, dude. We know that she's bad. Right. And the fact is, like, this scene didn't help them find her in the past. Right. No. Because it was like, it was all Albus and Scorpius getting crafty with the blanket or whatever. It's not like this contributed. It was just like, oh, we could pull this really cool maneuver off. Let's do it. Yeah. All of these scenes, I think that they end up having some good reveals. And especially when you see it in a play, it makes sense. But I feel like it could have been written a little bit differently so that it had a bit bigger of a payoff and felt more satisfying. It's just as if you're watching a suspense plot twist movie, but you've already seen the plot twist three scenes ago. So what's the point? No, like imagine if this was the reveal... And then cut to Delphi, Delphi, I keep mixing it up. It's Delphi, I believe. So cut to Delphi with Albus and Scorpius after we've learned this, then it's like, oh shit. Right. So maybe they just changed the order. I don't know. I feel like it could have been done a little bit better. You're right. If this was the big reveal, it would have been super impactful, I imagine, on stage. So in case you don't know the plot twist in Star Wars, which I think is the safest spoiler ever, spoiler alert, but this would be like if No, I Am Your Father happened halfway through the sixth movie instead of all the way at the end. Right, or if like beforehand some other, you know, star person (laughs) had like found out and they're like, oh my God, he's his father. And then it was like, I am your father. It's like, yeah, we we learned that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the more apt thing is that other people are having a conversation and C-3PO learns. (laughs) C-3PO, oh no, Darth Vader. (laughs) Darth Vader is Luke's father. This is terrifying. And then two scenes later, no, I am your father. It's like, yeah, man. We've, we already we've had a crew operating under that assumption for a while. <laughs> okay. So there's the fluorescent paint. There's stuff written all over the walls. And clearly what is written all over says, I will rebirth the dark. I will bring my father back. Which, first off, this woman is wild. Yeah. Who just like sits in their room and writes this on the walls. <laughs> when I was an engineer, I wanted to be a full-time comedian of some sorts was my goal. But I didn't write in blacklight pen <laughs> all over the walls, one day a creative endeavor will stick and fund my career. <laughs> I will rebirth the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> you did it? <laughs> <laughs> Because this is her room. This is the kind of stuff someone would write in a jail cell. (laughs) And she's just written this all over her room. She like found a rock in the jail cell and is like (laughs) writing it on the wall to stay sane. (laughs) But the other (laughs) awful thing of this reveal is that we now have confirmation that Voldemort fucked. And that's the end of this act. And that is the wonderful taste in the mouth that we get to be left on by finishing this part. Or if you're seeing the play, going to intermission. Or if you're listening to this podcast, listening to this podcast. So Johnny, how do you feel about this bonkers, bananas, buck wild section of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Voldemort fucked! That's it! That's how I feel. (laughs) Ugh, ugh, yeah, ugh, it was ugh, right. Ugh, ugh. Totally hairless, uh, by the way. <laughs> just for so we get it all out there. Oh gosh. So I have a question for you too. So you know how 
you know how you said when you had intermission on the first night, mm-hmm. it was like all dark and evil and augury or whatever? Right. Since they went back to the 80s, I want to know if you walked out and it was like... I wish. I didn't pay too much attention to it this time because I don't even know if I left to go to the bathroom at this point. But I think it just changes back to the regular gift store and decorations and stuff. But it would have been so good if all of the merchandise is tie-dye and (laughs) Miami Vice colored and straight out of the 80s. Gosh, that'd be so good. Playing like heaven is a place on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Even the concessions are different. You can buy tab. Yeah. (laughs) That would be so good. They missed out. Pepsi 2, clear Pepsi, Coke 2, whatever it is. (laughs) Ah, yes, the 80s, which I was totally around for. The people who are old enough to be around in the 80s are screaming in their apartments right now or cars (laughs) if they're listening in a post-quarantine world. Here's hoping. (laughs) Hoping indeed. So, Johnny... Any other final thoughts before we close this bad boy out? I just, you know, I, I don't envy who's got to be a part of Act 4. It is the best act, but still wrapping this thing up is just like, woof. They do a good job of it, but it's hard to reward it because all they've done in this act is dig themselves in such a deep hole. And I think this speaks to the problem of, I think that this shouldn't have been two plays, big picture. But then the second thing is, I think not enough happened in the first part. So what happens is not enough plot is developed in the first part. So then all of the getting into trouble is in act three. And then act four is just resolving all of the trouble. I mean, I feel like this could have just been a three act play. And the ending of act one is, uh uh-oh, it's Voldemort day. And then these are act two and act three. And you just kind of, I don't know. I just feel like you could spread it out a bit because it just feels like so much is happening but not in the good end of book seven way of so much is happening. We've traveled through time five times in this act. Right, it's just, there's time travel and Snape's here, but now Snape's dead. It's just, there's so much going on and it's just a lot. Yeah, it's definitely too much. I was glad to come on and and talk to you about this because it is truly a uh, barnstormer of an act. It's a lot. There's a whole heap of a lot going on. But Johnny, I'm so glad you're able to join. Thank you so much. Is there any, if people want to find you doing stuff, is there anything you would like to promote to the listeners? Uh, I have a fun Twitter at Johnny for all. Mostly I just retweet stuff and then I try to tell a joke and it gets two likes. So you can come be the and third. I am one of those two likes, <laughs> <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> but yeah, everyone go check it out. A fun follow. And Johnny, I'm so glad you were, uh, you were able to be on. And I'm glad you're, you're doing well in the quarantine times. Hanging in there. You know, day to day is just all about Staying positive and helping out where we can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, stay safe out there. Do your part. We'll all get through this together eventually. But Johnny, thanks for joining. Listeners, thanks for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, as they write things all over the walls <laughs> and ceilings of their bedrooms. <laughs> Wizard on! Hey, do you want to listen to a new podcast made by me? You're in luck because on May 13th, a new podcast made by me premieres. It's called Meddling Adults. It is a game show for charity where I host. I have two guests going head to head trying to solve children's mysteries from Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, Nancy Drew, and whoever wins earns money for a charity of their choosing. It's very silly. It's very reminiscent of the Ludo Bagman whodunit era. It's high stakes, lots of trash talk, and lots of money going to good causes. If you want to listen to the trailer now, you can wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Meddling Adults and you can subscribe 
subscribe so that when episode one goes live on May 13th, you have it immediately. And you can also follow it on Twitter and Instagram at Meddling Adults. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary Dodge, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadeniro, Audra Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moster, Alex Consilver, John Cotcard, Noel Bosole, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Frieda, Jay Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Summer Rathel, Andrea Kroc, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya Flor Sake, Series Scars Fjord, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Carrie Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Zepeda, Courtney Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Brianna Jordan, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Charles Fiven, Haley Logan, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Daub, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Rabb, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colcaperi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Diggin, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphedora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Gerabat, Melanie Dugreif, David Douglas, Maria Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki Boney Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rochelle Mobs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Stin Devoctor, Laurel Happy, Ross Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexander Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Andren Kaufman, K.A. Rob, Steve Trelor, Lior Nachum, Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Wellis, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, She Who Doesn't Have to Be Named, L. Kringle, Love Cash Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrika Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web is by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to Potterless Podcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch such as the new digital bundles, you can head on over to Potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly to somebody saying, hey, I think you'd like this, or leaving a review online that really does help, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.